This year is brought to you by Eshel Publications. Eshel Publications is a non-profit organization dedicated to spreading the Torah, Shiurim, and Tzfarim of Rabbi Aaron Lapiansky. For sponsorships or more information, visit eshelpublications.com. We did have, actually, Silver Spring Yeshiva was built a lot with the help of Philadelphians. Uh, Peter had a whole cadre of friends with him. Yeah, Sam Garfield this comes to mind. Who I, I don't know the whole chavit. That was uh, kind of predated me a bit. And uh, we have uh, one of my light married into Philadelphia, of a hotel, and uh, so there is a lot of kesher, and it's very nice to be here. We also have a mechutanishaft with Rabbi Bieberfeld, um, my son-in-law, and him our first cousins. So we've met at Simchas Baruch Hashem. I'd like to talk a little about Hanukkah and. Try a little bit to talk about things that sometimes when you get used to hearing something again and again, um, you don't think about the obvious and you don't ask about it. And what I would like to discuss is a topic that many people bring up. It's interesting, it was only much later that it was started, but people accept it as a given, and I'd like to speak a little bit, think it through a second time. The concept that Yovan especially, it was the philosophy slash science, um, that part of Yovan that came to clash with Israel is actually not mentioned in very in any early commentaries. Uh, the Gemara and the Madrashim certainly don't speak about it. They speak about Yovan simply um, opposing Israel and stopping them from doing Avodos Hashem. The, even the Gemaras that speak about Chachmas Yivanis and that there were all sorts of restrictions and bans on it, it was much later. It actually was when the Hashmonoim continued, and there was infighting, and they used Yivonis as a uh, as sort of a language to communicate secretly. Um, but at the Roman era, there was an issue. The, 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 the ban against Chachmas Yivonis was actually much later. And in the early Rishonim, you don't find any of the mention of the of that era of Greece as being the one that came at loggerheads with Kal Yisrael, the Maral I think is the first one who actually brings out this point very strongly and talks about it a lot when he says that the point of Yovan that really came at a clash, the, the point that clashed with Israel was this um, the whole uh, philosophical rational era of, of Greece. And then later, uh, almost all this far and pick it up. But I, th- I believe uh, the earliest safe I could find was the morale. Just uh, really fascinating. But I would like to present a question that should strike anybody who is a reasonable person. The world before Greece, in, the, in terms of thought, understanding, was a pretty lousy place. I know you're not supposed to say these things, but it was very, very ignorant there was nothing there. Um, there's very little really worth remembering of it. And Greece is really the cradle of the beginning of, of human achievement in a civilized way, thinking, rational thinking process, criticizing, back and forth, analyzing. Those are things that we certainly could not, not place value on. Um, and yes, they were not from, they were not Sadiqim, they were not terribly good people. But why would we see that that particular area, the, the wisdom, we can understand the wisdom without the deed, the wisdom without being moral as being something, the lack of the morality is what's bad. 
But why is it? Why is that clash head-on specifically in the world of the chachma and the wisdom? That's something we really need to think about seriously, especially since it says in Chumash that when Adam was created, but Salam So Rashi says, what does it mean in the image of God? Lahovin olahaskel to understand. Two synonyms for understanding. Um, so man's the 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 area that the word in the image of God could possibly apply, it can certainly not apply physically. So the area that it applies in is the world of the thinking human being, the rational human being. So that's the important part of a person. So why would we, where would we find fault with Yavan if they were the first ones that you would actually call a rational civilization, a thinking civilization, where Lahav and Lahaskel actually takes on some meaning? That's the point, that's the issue that I would like to try to think about and try to address. I'd like to um, start with uh, um, a phrase that we say in Alanisim. It's a, um, it, when, when it speaks about, in Alanisim, when it speaks about what was done wrong, it says two things. Um, there's a lot. Alnissim goes through uh, how Akadosh Baruch Hu helped us and saved us, and so on. But when it pinpoints what did Yavim want to do, it says lahashkicham Torasecha to make you forget the Torah, mechukeritzanecha, and to stop us from keeping the mitzvahs. Now, obviously, I mean, Chazal point out a lot of gzeris. But it was summed up neatly in Lahavira Mechukir Tzonecha. I guess the two elements are to make them forget Torah and to stop them from doing what they ought to do. Are these two separate things? I mean, generally, they tried to stop the Jewish religion um, for whatever reasons they had. But it's boiled down to two phrases Lashkichem Torasecha or Lahavira Mechukir Tzonecha. If you take a closer look at it, there's something interesting about these two phrases. The word Torah implies some sort of learning process. Some sort of, um, Torah is what you study and you learn and think and so on. Chukei Ritzonecha, which is meant to describe the mitzvahs, actually both words imply something that is completely devoid of the rational process. A chok is a mitzvah that is not, doesn't fit under the framework of the rational process. It's the super-rational, if you wish. And Ritzonecha means your will, um, which also, we'll see in a second, implies not something that can be put under the rubric of understanding, wisdom. It's just fear, diktat. This is what Kashbahu wants. So it says two elements. Lashkichem Tarasecha, to make Israel forget the learning part of it, and lavir mechukeritzonecha, which would be, which seems almost the opposite. This formula comes out a lot more sharply. In we say in the Motzei Shabbos, atochon antonu secha. You've granted us the ability to understand Torah. Vatelamdenu, and you taught us lasos chukeritzonecha. We were taught how to do the commandments of Hakadosh Baruch Hu 
that are not really teachable. It doesn't mean, it's obviously, it doesn't just mean we have a, a, a little shacharach that tells us how to do the chukim. That wouldn't be, that's not lamdenu in the essential way of, of, of learning, understanding. It simply says, it says we were taught, we were given understanding, we were given knowledge, understanding, and wisdom to understand that which is not to be understood. It's, it's almost axiomoronic. It's saying God gave us the wisdom to understand how to do the things we don't understand. And that doesn't quite ring well in any real substantial way. So, um, I would like to speak a little bit about Bina, especially. That's the point we want to talk about. And that's, I guess, the topic would be the understanding that's called Bina. Let's go back to Rashi and let's understand the Rashi that says, Lahavin Ulahaskil. It says that man's unique gift is the gift to be Lahavin, which means to understand, and Lahaskil, I'm not, I will not, not, we don't. It's not under the framework to explain it this time, but it has its own unique meaning. What is lahavin? What is the concept of bina that is unique to human understanding? Because man is the only animal that has lahavin. So let's try to understand a second. When, when an animal takes in information, it sees something, the mind registers it, and it can work with the pieces not unlike the way a computer can work with it. It has the pieces, can process it, every, every brain of sort, even, even uh, the lowliest life form has some sort of processing capacity. To extrapolate is an extraordinary um, capacity. A computer cannot extrapolate. Um, it can extrapolate when you teach it how to extrapolate, which is basically means extrapolation has been part of the system. But to take the system and then to bring it over to an area that's not in the system, that is an extraordinary feat. It's, it's, it's thinking as opposed to sensing and internal processing with, with uh, a fixed algorithm and, and the f- with fixed data. Now, you can extra- Bina can mean where I analyze the pieces inside, and it means I extrapolate to something outside. Let's give an example um, where something that really is unique to a human being. When we speak of a man who towers above the rest, the, um, as a kid, you would think... He's six foot five, six foot eight, whatever it is that takes the tower. Um, I remember, uh, it's, it's funny, it's just, I was a kid of about six or seven, and I used to like learning Tanakh a lot. I, I could read Hebrew, I, I learned Hebrew very early on. I liked very much reading it. There wasn't that much around to read else in the house, all, all that much. And, and I, I used to read the, the stories I, I could read and I could enjoy. And I was sitting at a Shabbos table. My father... There was a, there was a um, the old rabbi had been nifter, and they looked for a new rabbi, and a very very big person was suggested. And the Balabatim had they were clueless, and they they, they were, and they said nah, they wanted somebody else who was really not of, uh, nowhere near the person's stature, and his intellect and his genius. 
and I remember my father was very annoyed, and there was another man sitting there, and they remarked, um, he is too, he towers way above them, he's too tall for them. That was the remark I picked up. I was a little kid, and I, I blurted out, I said, but it says that Saul was taller than everybody. El Shol it says, was Meshach Malamala, so it's good for a leader to be tall. And I remember they, they looked at me, and they burst out laughing. I remember I burst out crying because I thought I said something stupid. I, I, but, but it says so. It says, that's what it says in the Pasuk. I, I, I didn't know why there was the, the, the laughter. But it, it, for a child, tall can only mean so he can extrapolate in a very limited physical way. It, you know, it, tall is this, and there's, there's tall dolls, and tall dogs, and tall people. But he can't extrapolate from tall in a physical way to tall in... in in a whole different uh, arena. That is, that is what Bina is. The word Bina is Binyan, which means to build. It says that the Isha Vayiven Asatzeila, HaKadosh Baruch who built the woman out of man, it meant he took an aspect of man and built something else. In other words, it's, it's an extrapolation. A woman is of the same species as man, but she's a woman. So, Bina is the ability to take from something that's there, extrapolate out, and gain an understanding in a realm that you have no, yet you've never seen. Not only have you never seen it, but you might never ever be able to see it, and we'll see soon what we're talking about. But Bina is a unique human gift of taking what you have in front of you, taking what's there, and being able to build outwards and outwards to that which is not there, not present. I want to show two or three places where this is kind of, I guess, built into different areas in the Torah. It says that uh, in Dvarim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu speaks about the idols, that Moshe speaks about the idols that are far and close, or close and far. Krovim Varachokim. And Rashi points out, well, why the poetic flourish, the idols that are close and the idols that are far. So Rashi says, Mitivon shall krovim, atolome tivon shall rechokim. People, um, we know that the Avorazoros around us are worthless. Imagination, fantasy, always dictates that things outside are extraordinary. Uh, we, th we tend to think of Buddhism as being kind of a fascinating religion because it's not around the corner. I mean, today it's a little more around the corner, but when, you know, far east is because it's far. It's, it's, but the Pasuk tells you, learn to extrapolate from what you have around you because the system is the same. Um, actually, I, is just reminded, the, 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 I, I used to be involved with Balachuv in Russia, and the dawn of the last Balchuvah movement was in the late 60s, right after the, after the 67 war. And one of the leaders was, became an ardent Zionist, and he would argue with the other people who were still very anti-Zionist because they were fed by the propaganda. And they would tell him, but the newspaper said that Israel did this, is that. So he said, there are two sections to the Pravda. There's local news and international news. Let me ask you about the local news. What do you think about it? Nonsense. Rubbish. Lies. So, so why do you assume international news is, is, is truth itself? Like, don't, don't you realize, from what you have in front of you, extrapolate outwards. 
So the, the, the Rashi says, from the Tivan of Krovim, you need not you need not to go to the Far East to see whether it's good or not. You can extrapolate from experience around you. There's another area. Um, this is a, a lotion of a, a Zohar, I guess, and but it's it's doesn't it's not, it, I mean it's it's about Kabbalah. It's not Kabbalah, and it's a very important point, very relevant to what to the point we'll try to make. The Zohar explains about the Yom Adin of Rosh Hashanah and all of the different elements of how God sets up judgment and how he weighs judgment and so on. And then the Zohar says, if you'll ask me how do I know all this, he says, we've been given over this tradition. And then it says, I'll quote the Lashen, V'iteima minolam. If you'll ask me how do you know this? So first he says, Ha'itma it was taught to us. And then he says, Even the people who don't have a tradition and don't know about it, a person who has insight and looks into things, it says, Let him look at the things that are open around him, the things that you can catch sight of, and then you're going to understand the things that you can't catch sight of. And it says, the hokulo kigavna choda. Everything is the same. Everything HaKadosh Baruch Hu gave us over here, kulo iyo kigavna leila, that's the way it is in Shemayim. In other words, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the hidden world is hidden. We don't have direct access to that which is hidden. But HaKadosh Baruch Hu didn't create a sealed enigma. He gave us a world that we do understand, a world that we, can, that we can pick up the patterns of it, and from that we can extrapolate to the things that we'll never ever see or know. So the world is built, HaKadosh Baruch Hu built the world to be a world that has a lot of open knowledge, and that open knowledge is a stepping stone for understanding. So if we see there's a pattern of authority, law and justice carries a certain structure. You bring a charge, you try to defend the person, you try to prove the charges, someone weighs one against the other, makes a decision, there's clemency. That pattern is a pattern that allows us to understand Malchus Shemayim, even though we don't have the direct insight of Malchus Shemayim. It's extraordinary. It means that the part of the Existence that we as flesh and blood have no access to and no direct, tangible, or palpable experience, we can know something about it if we learn correctly how to extrapolate outwards. And that's called Bina, the ability to do that. Let's, um, let's begin to understand a little bit about what happened at the time of the Yavonim in a big picture. The, uh, the Gemara says, Chacham Adif Minavi, that a wise person is better than a prophet, which raises a lot of issues. Torah was given by prophets, not by wise people. Moshe Abenu was the greatest prophet. He was not the wisest of people. The wisest people are Shlomo, and Moshe was the greatest prophet. And Torah is Moshe's Torah. So, in what sense is a wise man smarter than a prophet? Not smart, it says Odif, he's better. So like all of Chazal, 
is better in some ways, but it's not a sweeping statement. So let's understand um, the di- distinction. And maybe let's use a muscle. You have somebody, two people are sitting. One person is not very smart, and the only things he knows are the things that he sees. Whatever he sees with his own two eyes, he sees so-and-so do this, so he knows he did it. He sees so-and-so do that, and he's a busybody. He goes to a lot of places and sees people doing things. He's a yenta, and he picks up a lot of information. The second person is a very smart person, very shrewd person, and he's able to figure out a lot of things even when it's not in front of him. So the person who has a lot of personal experiences, um, let's say a newspaper reporter, let's say a reporter type of person, the things he knows, he knows with a clarity that the other person can only guess at. I saw it, I saw it, I heard it firsthand, etc. The person who is the, the wise person, the shrewd person, can guess at a lot of things. He's never 100% sure about it, but the range of things that he can figure out is much greater because he's not limited to his experiences. He has all the tools of analysis and extrapolation that, that at his hand. A prophet is somebody that Kashbarhu came and told him, This is it. Ko Omar Hashem. And a prophet, if one hear of what he says falls flat, he's a false prophet. God does not lie. And therefore, every single thing, and that's why the type of prophecy comes with, a, with, a, with a, an experience. There's a vision. It's as if a person would see it, because that's what prophecy is, a direct, direct information from God, and it's infallible as such. That is how a prophet works. So the level of knowledge, the clarity of knowledge, is 100%. So Moshe Rabbeinu gave us the Torah, what we needed from that is 100% integrity and reliance. Torah is Hashem's words, Hashem's words are truth. Period. But a Chacham is someone that has the ability to take what's there and extrapolate it infinitely. A, a wise man can reach where a prophecy has not been given. A prophet is limited to those things God told him. A wise man goes beyond that. Not only that, a wise man can understand the things that a prophet will never be able to envision. The Chazal say that all the wonderful prophecies were given concerning this world, Mashiach, etc. But that which is an olam haba, ayin no eye has ever perceived it. It means it's a type of thing that can never be given over through experience or through vision. It's simply not in the realm of human experience. The only way we can deal with it, be able to use the word Olam Haba, is through the power of Bina, through the power of extrapolating and saying, as we know a world that is perfectly good, so does a world that is even more so good. I know the words, I know the terms, I, don't, I can't put it into any more concrete ways. That's the, that's the power of Chachmah. In the middle of the second bias, an extraordinary transformation happened in the world. It affected Jews, affected the Goyim. It says, there's a Seder Olam that says, Shimon HaTzadik was the last of the great men of the, of the uh, Ashik Nesagdola, and the Ashik Nesagdola included some prophets at its beginning, 
And when it's finished, the error that had any type of association prophecy was gone forever. So the, the, the Seder Olam, which is the chronological Chazal's chronology, says, until this point, Nevoa reigned. There was prophecy in the world. From this point, Hat Aznecha, Listen to what the wise people say. Prophecy is over. In other words, the world had exhausted the communication to God of prophecy, the understanding of prophecy, the ability to the ability to relate to things directly. And from now on, we would have to rely on wisdom, which is embodied in the Chachamim and Chachme Chazal. We lost something. We lost the clarity. No wise man has the clarity of an eyewitness. The wisest and shrewdest investigator has, it does not come to the clarity of a person who saw the events. So when prophecy came to an end, our religious clarity and our clarity about what Akash Baruch demands of us has come to has ground to halt. That's a terrible loss. But Akash Baruch opened up gateways of knowledge of wisdom, of the ability to understand, because now that would be what the world would stand on. And what we had before through direct experience, as a prophet would experience the divine directly, we now needed to get it from Chachma. That Chachma came out to the world. HaKadosh Baruch who gives it, he gives it, he gives it um, to everyone. And everyone makes of it as he wishes. Shimon Atzadik was the last of the wise of the of Dashkenazagdola, the last of that era. He met Alexander, who was Aristotle's disciple, so to speak. And Chazal are pointing out two eras met. Greek was also the beginning of that of wisdom of knowledge. It was um, until that time it was kind of just pure myth. That was that was the type of knowledge was. I, monologues of, of truths without any um, you know, fables and myths. That was the, the stuff of knowledge. From that point began an era of wisdom, which in itself is very positive. Analysis and so on and so forth. Klal Yisrael began Chachma of Klal Yisrael. The difference was Yovan put a very strong clamp on it in a way that defeated the purpose of that wisdom. Let's give an example. Um, let, let's take an example from science. A person, um, a, a careful scientist, makes uh, experiments, observations, and notes down duly exactly what he, what he saw as the basis for the thesis that he's about to propose. And if he's sloppy at that, his work is obviously worthless. So he's got to be very careful to note everything down and to make sure he has it exactly done right. That's, that's great. And then he's made a lot of experiments, he's made a lot of observations, he's put it down, and now he comes up with a thesis. So imagine, so, so I will say that, you know, if a person eats X, Y, or Z, the following result happens at some point in his life, it, it causes whatever it is. Let's say someone would come along to the scientist and say, you only saw a thousand people, you only saw 50,000 people, it, you didn't see the person tomorrow that's, that it's going to happen to, so how can you make that statement? It's without observation, without uh, scientific method. So the answer is, 
then you're limiting us to, to what is, and there's no wisdom, there's no knowledge. So all I can do is I can say, um, I can just simply observe facts and make nothing out of it. I can't explain how a disease comes about. I can't explain how to build chemicals and new chemicals. I can't do anything because there's no wisdom to it. There's no chachmet to it. That's not chachmet, just simply recording what's there. So the basis for any type of wisdom is the ability to take information you have and extrapolate outwards. You're right. I didn't see every single patient in the world, but given a big enough volume of information and critical enough analysis, I should be able to make a statement that holds true for the cases I didn't see. That's on a physical level. What about if I sit down and I say, I look at a human being, and I see hopes and dreams and sense of good and bad and everything about him, there must be a world much greater than flesh and blood and mechanical process and biological process. There's so much more to a human being. I would like to extrapolate outwards and to take feelings, ideas, out as part of a great I, attraction. People are, look, people are attracted to something. People are set off by something. And all of that, and say there is a big world outside of our physical limitations and so on, that we're just examples of it. The, the rational... Can quote philosophical process that was Greece clamped down on it very strongly, especially Aristotle as opposed to Plato. For those who are familiar, um, Plato did work with ideals. Aristotle was a very tactless type of person, and there was no, there's no such thing. You know, there's nothing exists that I can't take at least a sample of it and put under my microscope. If I can't take two or three angels and kind of stain them and put them on a microscope, angels don't exist. And, and, you know, it, 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 but the ability to take and say, from that which I experience and feel, there's a much greater world, the, they took that process and nipped it in its bud. They said it's okay to take two or three bacteria and generalize about bacteria, but to take the world in its whole and say, there must be so much more, that they didn't do. So, Yovan and Claudius come they come from the same junction where the world turns from experiential revelation to extrapolation and wisdom and Yovan cuts it and Claudius Roll tries to take it all the way they take it to where the Zohar says from the world that we have we can go to the world that we don't have and Yovan says no all we have is what we have and that's it and this is where begins that, that uh, dichotomy. I'd like to go back to the tefillah that we said of uh, the Lashkichom Chukar Tzanecha. When we see, when we look at a person, we see two parts. The first part, can, psychology, for instance, can look at the thought process of the person. What's going through the person's mind? Why is this important to him? What is he trying to get to? Where is he going to? We get to a certain point, and we can say he wants this because of this, and he wants this because of this, and he wants this because of that, and so on. And a good, the better psychologist, the better he can figure out that thought process. That thought process is called chachma, meaning just simply, generically, the, the process of 
the thinking process of leading from A to B to C. But at some point I hit on the person's core and I say, this is what he wants. He doesn't want to go to anything else. This is a person that wants physical gratification. This is a person that wants emotional gratification. This is a person that wants attention, and it doesn't go past that. He wants attention because that's what he wants. And everything else leads up to it. He, he plays a game because he wants attention, he does this to get attention, and so on. So that core is called his rough zone, his will, his essence. That's the person. And the other part we would call the Chachma, which is the process of getting what he wants. I can understand the Chachma part. I can't understand the Ratzim part. I just have to accept it for what it is, and that's what it is. HaKadosh Baruch Hu, when he relates to us, relates to us in the same two levels. There's a world of Torah that we can understand the reasoning behind it, because it's a kind of be nice to other people because chesed is important. Intuitively, we can relate to it. We understand that part, and that part. The, the part that's understandable to us is a very important part. But it does not at all touch the core of HaKadosh Baruch Hu It is the part of Torah that is a chok that really comes from Ritzon Yisparach. Why do we, why Paraduma? Why is it because that's what Hashem wants. It doesn't have an answer of why. Why is if A leads to B, which leads to C, which leads to D? You wear tzitzis to remind you the mitzvah, so that you keep the mitzvah, and so on and so forth. You wear this, you wear tefillin, it helps you rein in your taivas, it helps you get your chachma and all that. Those are all mitzvahs that are step by step by step. But once we get to the core, it is chukei ritzonecha. That's it. This is the divine. The, the why is that divine is not a question anymore because we've reached, so to speak, for us, rock bottom. Our process of relating to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to understand, to know, and to know until we reach a point where we say, because this is HaKadosh Baruch Hu. Torah is the part of HaKadosh Baruch Hu's revelation that is for us that whole world of things that we can understand, because it's all the process. And a person, that's the gateway to getting close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. So we learn, we understand, we think. And when we reach that piece, we say there is a beyond to where we can't, all we can say is we can extrapolate and say, That's what the, the, the tefillah, that's the phraseology that the tefillah uses. It uses the phrase, by forgetting the Torah, we have no... If we can't get through the gateway, we can't enter, so to speak, the Chukir Ritzonecha. And that's what we say also on Matzah Shabbos. But Lamdeinu, the Akadosh Baruch Hu taught us, to understand Akadosh Baruch Hu, to understand the Torah, in order to be mekayim the Chukir Ritzono. Because... Torah is the gateway. You can't get to that. You can't extrapolate out into that area which is almost purely divine unless you've made, you've built outwards, outward, outward till you reach that point. I want to add one more Nakuda, which um, people also say a lot and I think they don't quite understand the full meaning of it. Many people say that Hanukkah is the eighth day because it's beyond the natural. Seven days is the natural, eighth is the beyond the natural, the, the eighth is... People make a mistake about it. 
And as if they say seven is the number of the natural and eight is the number of the unnatural. That's not true. That's not, that's not what the full meaning of it is. It means that it's just like, let's, give it a, let's use a, a muscle. How many numbers does our number system have? And the answer is nine. Ten is, n- is not ten. Ten is one, 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 unit, one uh, piece of tens and no units. There is no number higher than nine. Past nine does not exist in a, in a, in a decimal system, as past one does not exist in a binary system. The system ends there, and it's just that the system can keep going outwards. The natural order is seven days. That's why Kachbrach set up the world, seven days. Anything past seven days does not exist. We don't have an eighth day. In the Torah, there's Shemini Atzeres. Every Yom, the Yom Tovim are seven days, Pesach is seven days, Sukkot is seven days. Shemini Atzeres is a new Yom Tiv. It's a Yom Tiv that is... The, it's the eighth day from the beginning, which means it's a whole new cycle again. We don't have a direct number that we can say, oh, this is the beyond the natural. By definition, it does not become part of the system. It's, it's beyond. The eighth means it's not part of any system. It just is beyond. And we, just like if we have to invent something to describe 11, in a, in, a, in, a ten, in a decimal system, or, or ten for that matter, then it, it's something that does not fit into the system of nine. It's beyond it. That's all, that's all we say. It's the same thing is true about the eighth. Eighth is something that is not here. It is beyond that which is here. So I, I would like to, I guess, sum up the things we said and just bring it down a little bit more uh, irrelevant and so on. The, um, the first thing is... With the coming of the end, with the end of the era of prophecy, clarity, perception, experience comes to an end. If we will try to reach the truth of religion, of Torah, of Akash Baruchu, through experience, we're doomed to failure because vision has closed. The gateways to vision have closed and it came to an end. For whatever reason. The thing that we need to do now is to understand. And that's why the synchronon of, 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 of any experience of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, of, of Ruchnius, is learning Torah. You can't go to the beyond without the process of the mind, of understanding. Uh, it's one of the things that Kolalim have done a tremendous, have brought in a tremendous dimension of learning in Kleistral by creating an environment and a center where there's learning and people come in to join the learning, it creates a, a sense of the world of Chachma, the world of Torah, that serves as the bridge to bring a person to the, those points that are um, where we have to get to. We, we won't get to it by direct experience, we'll get to it by understanding and building and understanding and understanding until we hit the outer limits of what a person can understand. And that's why the learning experience, which is so much, I, I don't know the details about the kolal here and how, how, uh, how much people make use of it. I can just speak, we recently in Silver Spring had a Mlava Malka of four kololim that function in the greater Washington area. And from everybody we heard 
four different neighborhoods there, Colum, about the tremendous um, enthusiasm that people have. It, it, it creates an environment of Torah, brings people in, and people begin to understand that they can grow because the learning process is a process that allows for the Chachma and for the Bina to build outwards. But a person has to understand that the, the thinking process is meant to lead you beyond where you are. It should never be a limiting process. Um, one of the problems is when a person sets his mind to it that that which I can't reason out cannot exist, is not, is not true because I can't reason, then the person has used, in a certain sense, he's perverted Chachma. Chachma is there to keep building outwards to reach where you can't. It starts at a simple level, like when you create a thesis out of data, and it keeps going and going until a person reaches things that he can't, that, that, that human experience will never touch, and they're emis because they're built on solid foundations, outwards and so on. A person takes knowledge and the wisdom and understanding that he gains through Torah, and becomes, he's able to touch those areas that, of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, that are really beyond, the Chukir Ritzonecha, are really pierced where the, the Labdeinah Torah Secha is, and a person can touch base with it. We say in most Tzur, and we'll finish with this, B'nei Bina, Yemei Shmaina Kavol Shiranana. Chashmanoim are called the children of Bina, the children of that understanding. The Torah, the given Torah, could never touch more than seven days. There's seven days in Shabbos. There is um, the eighth, the so-called eighth day of Shemini Atzeres is a whole new yontiv. It's a whole new week. It's it is only seven days of Sukkot, and because as long as Torah was a process of um, given knowledge, experienced knowledge, so to speak, that's the limit. Because the world shut off, Akash shut off that world and created the world of Torah and Bina, would now be able to have an experience of eight days. It doesn't have the clarity and exactness of a Torah yantiv, but it has in itself seas for going much further. So B'nai Bina, Chashmoraim are called children of Bina, Yemei Shmoina Kavu, they were able to create an entity of eight days of, of Shirinana. And uh, that's, if we can gain a little Ha'ara and Ashpah from Kanaka, it's a chizuk in Talmud Torah, a chizuk in learning and understanding, and, uh, and you know, knowing the Torah that we can actually put our fingers on it, know it well, and understand it better and deeper, and understand that it is unlimited because it's reaching out towards the infinite. Don't cap it with so-called human reason, because human reason is actually the finiteness of man. It's the limitation of man. Don't put your limitations on it. If, if you've thought it well, like the Zohar says, if you've understood and reasoned and properly what's here, then you understand what's beyond as well. To understand what's beyond, you need to know what's here, and if you know what's here, you can reason out beyond and understand the Shemona as well as the Shiva. Yeah, I'm